Less alone, more alive. I'm Karen Thurston. I'm Anissa Naishira. I'm Ben Grace. And I'm Flamey Grant. Welcome to Heathen. Hi, heathens. Hello, heathens. <laughs> um, it's Anissa. And Ben. And we're here with some friends to talk to you today. I'm really excited about it. I'm so, so excited about it. I will confess that even though you sent me the links for these guys, um, and I meant to listen to the record all the way through, I got so wrapped up in work today in the studio, and I just started listening about 20 minutes ago, and I'm like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. Why did I not listen right? to the whole thing? Uh, <laughs> so. There's time. There's there time. is time. There is definitely time. Yeah. So today with us are some friends of mine, and they are a fantastically talented duo um, that make up Westerlight. You guys want to say hi to our listeners? Hello. Hello, everybody. Hi, heathens. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that fun to say? <laughs> Pretty fun to say. <laughs> want to try it out for a spin? Uh, yeah. Hi, heathens. <laughs> a plus. Right? Great. You did great. It was perfect. So welcome to Heathen. And well, yeah, around here we like to let folks claim their own space. So while we've told everyone that you are Westerlite, um, would you like to introduce yourselves? Sure. Yeah, that's great. Uh, my name's Rachel. I'm half of half of Westerlite. And I'm Johnny. I'm the other half. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're happy to be here. Really excited. Yay! <laughs> um, so, you know, you wanna, do you want to like tell us anything else about yourself? Like, what else do you do in the world? That's absolutely all you do. <laughs> that's fine. You're totally, that's totally fine. <laughs> Shortest podcast ever. <laughs> cool. Okay. Well, fair. Westerlight. Well, uh, what does Westerlight do in the world? Um, well, we are an indie Americana duo and uh you know so we've been writing music together um for a long time but this is our most recent iteration of just writing songs together this is our most recent project that we've been working on um we are a husband and wife duo and uh we've been like i said we've been writing music together for a long time and uh we put out an album of uh, October of last year. And now we are, uh, I feel like there's a lot more that I can say about us as people. And uh, I'm going to let Rage take that one over. (laughs) I was born in that. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we love writing music together. Um, This project has been so much fun and is really just our story in so many ways, especially yeah. our story from the past um, couple, two or three years, I'd say. Um, but yeah, the album's called Sunday Best, and we released it in October, and we're hoping soon we can tour. <laughs> play play <laughs> maybe a, a show, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I, being a musician in the world right now, it seems like it would be quite... Um, you have to be creative, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> a little frustrating, yeah. maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 kind of a bummer, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of virtual stuff you can do, but just 
it gets kind of exhausting after a while and I don't really want to do virtual stuff <laughs> myself. So I'm like, I, I feel like I don't really want to ask someone else to watch right, us virtually. Right. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. It is such a weird experience, isn't it? I think to go from a live show to the virtual, and we've been doing every Thursday night, we do Heathen Happy Hour, which was sort of a Heathen podcast, and mm-hmm. we just went on live on the first Thursday of lockdown, and we've been doing it ever since, which is crazy. Uh, <laughs> but it is such a, a weird experience. For me, I feel like the reason why I like to play shows is at the end of the night, I like to go to the back of the room or the back of the bar or wherever we're playing and sit down with somebody and have a conversation to the wee small hours of the morning and talk mm-hmm. about life and the universe and everything. And I often find when you kind of log off the live stream, there's this emptiness that I kind of feel that I just like that. I miss that connection. I miss that human to human, soul to soul connection. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel 100%. so much of that. And even just like, I know, just sweating in a room with somebody else, you know, now I know after, you know, with COVID, it's not not a, a good thing, but you know, there's just like being in the same room and you're just milling around and accidentally bumping somebody and, and not worrying like, oh, did I just get, you know, the most recent plague? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I definitely miss uh, like, you know, really shady, sticky floors and bars. Yes. And, 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 and the crusty, you know, when you when you lean onto the bar and it's covered in like leather or not even leather, like pleather, whatever yeah. it is, but it's yeah. cracked. <laughs> and so there's like that smell of beer that seeps out when you kind of rest against the bar. Like It's stuff like that I find myself missing. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? I know. I know. 100%. No. I just want to pay $3 for a PBR. That's you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so true. It's amazing. Oh. So how long have you guys been Westerlight? Like, tell us about the journey of that. Have you always made music together as a couple or what's, what's kind of the evolution of that been? Yeah, we, you know, we got to know each other leading worship together. So we've been, we've, music's always been a part of our, our relationship. Uh, we worked at a church uh, leading worship for a few years and then that ended, and um, <laughs> we did have another band with a friend uh, called Cedar House. That stuff's on listening platforms if you want to check it out. I'm really proud of that stuff. Uh, and then we decided to we needed to get out of Norman where we were living at the time, and we kind of started this then because we knew we still wanted to make music, but we weren't going to be a part of our our old band anymore because hmm. we were we were moving. So. Um, we kind of just started this duo then and all these songs have kind of come out of that place and hmm. where, where we've been over the past couple of years, like traveling and feeling really untethered in so many ways. Um, but yeah, we started this, uh, I think, spring of 2019. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So this is ago. really recent. I mean, this is kind of just springing up. This is a, a really fresh expression of where you guys are at and what you want to say in the world. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I, I'm also an ex-worship leader turned Americana artist. <laughs> it's, so, <laughs> right it's, it's so great to speak to you guys. And there's so much resonance for me in, in the few tracks that I did hear before. And on, I was like, wow, I wish I had the lyrics in front of me. Because uh, I'm one mm-hmm. of those people who uh, I think I hear the music first. And I hear like bits and pieces of the lyrics. Karen is much more of the, uh, mm-hmm. she hears the lyrics first. Uh, but I was just already swept away in the first couple of tracks and what you guys have to say about love and inclusivity inside this genre, which, uh, you know, for the most part has kind of been 
I think, more conservative in the States. Mm. You know, country, country is very conservative genre. Uh, a few years ago after the shooting in uh, Las Vegas, uh, the CMAs was only a couple of weeks after that and they issued a gag order on the red carpet to say you can't actually talk about that event. And I'm like, that's Golly, really wow. fascinating to me. That. You know, Oh, yeah. I feel like this Americana country genre is really steeped in in kind of conservatism, yet the kind of the roots of folk, you know, go back to uh, the 60s and go back to kind of songs that are about protest and songs that really do mm-hmm. talk about love and peace and understanding. So uh, has Americana always been kind of your style um, or, or is that kind of a new thing as well? You know, it's it's interesting. I feel like it's something that, I mean, you know, so I grew up in Texas and Americana wasn't necessarily, I think kind of the country leaning, I I kind of steered away from it because it, there were just certain, I mean, like, like you mentioned, there's, there's just like a certain culture around it that is, I wasn't very interested in at the time, Mm -hmm. you know, and speaking for me personally, just like looking at artists that I liked and listening to more music, realizing how much of, how much folk and Americana influence a lot of people that I liked anyway, you know, and, and yep. that was something that it, it hasn't always been a part of like something that I was really tuned into, but I think in recent years, probably in the past four, four or five years, it was something that I, I kind of realized like, oh yeah, this has been something I've enjoyed and it's been a theme kind of throughout, you know, my life of music that I, I enjoy has all been influenced by these, mm. you know by Americana and all that. I think we've had such a, uh, we've struggled so much to even nail down what genre we are because it's not full on Americana or folk or, you know, we've, we've really had a hard time. It's like, Mm -hmm. where do, where do, where does this fit? Mm -hmm. Do we, should we lean into one of these sounds? Should we just (laughs) let it be what it is? Right. So you, you kind of talked about, you alluded to like the last two or three years and just songwriting and such like, what has that looked like for you? Obviously, we are a podcast about spiritual deconstruction, which is why my I thought we thought of you, and because mm-hmm. you're so talented. So, I mean, yeah, tell us a little bit more about that process and how it's affected your music and you, just as people. Yeah, I mean, the the album is pretty much. I mean, this has me a couple tracks all about that process of deconstruction, which I I've grown to like hate that that term now because it's such a buzzword it it almost feels like a trendy thing to do but it felt it was the hardest thing I've ever walked through and so so painful Mm -hmm. I I feel like deconstruction isn't isn't an apt term anymore for it it's a it's such a broad term for a for such a deeply personal thing for each person Mm -hmm. you know like Mm -hmm. deconstruction gets thrown around a lot but it's like often for at least for me, it was, you know, it's like some of the lowest lows. Oh, yeah. I've yeah. experienced of just like frustration and hopelessness and all that. Um, On the floor, yeah. weeping. <laughs> what the fuck's happening? Like, right. who, who am I apart from yeah. this? Like, yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, like, yeah. LOL right now, but also like in the moment, it was very serious. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. Is that partly because it was sort of tied with what you did? Like, did we have paid professionally to be worship leaders? Like, is that part of it? That was definitely part of it. Yeah. Um, at a certain point. So, um, kind of backing up, Rach mentioned, 
mention that we were on staff. We were we were both on staff at a church at one point, and part of our deconstruction kind of happened. Uh, I'm trying to think of the timeline of when that would be. Um, 2017? Yeah. Going and, into 18? Right. Or yeah. that was kind of when it all started coming to a head, and we um, basically realized we just needed to have some space from being we needed to be off staff so that we could actually ask the questions that needed to be asked rather than right. like trying to hold a, a veneer on, you know, and like just trying to yeah. save face. Um, so that was, that was definitely hard, but I think it was also like, it, it was kind of like a band aid ripped off. It was pretty quick in terms of, we didn't really mean for it to be either. Yeah, we we kind of were just like, Oh, we're just going to come off staff and we'll still go to church here and, yeah. you know, figure it out within the body. And then we, <laughs> Johnny had come off staff before me, but once I was done and we stopped leading, you know, we were so immersed in this bubble. We were leading worship all the time, which mm. includes like a weekly practice that's in the evening. Then you've got a life group that we were leading every week. Um, you know, it, it it really, all of our friends were right there in, in the church. It was our whole life. Right. So basically... <laughs> A lot of, I mean, to tie it back to you were asking about some of the songwriting, a lot of that experience kind of abstractly, and some of it is very explicitly in those songs that we wrote, you know, it was kind of like our way of trying to write our story and what we realized that a lot of our story was dealing with, you know, like, where do we go from here? How do we deal with this, this loss of something that was so important to us and how, you know, it's like how do we stay connected and even stay hopeful in the midst of losing this thing that was so integral to, to our lives? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really huge. And, and I, I think it's really amazing that it wasn't that long ago and you guys were actually able to put pen to paper as well and, and process through. Is that always how you've written? Is it kind of a, a sort of journal entry? Is it kind of just how you get the thoughts through your body? How does that work for you guys? For me, yes. I, I, Johnny, <laughs> I always say Johnny is such a better songwriter than me. My songs are always so, um, it's like emotional, uh, just word vomit, you know. I, yeah, cathartic. Yes, thank you. And I feel like all my songs are just out of pain and out of at whatever I'm feeling really intensely. That's, that's where a song comes from, where Johnny can sit down and, and write a story about kind of anything and I, I don't feel like I have that gift uh, so yeah for me that process is very much tied to all this and mm. that journey yeah I would I would say for myself I think a lot of it is um, it, it is kind of put it pen to paper in the moment but I think some of it too is um I would write songs and it, it, I would kind of write the truth about a situation before I even realized I was feeling that, you know, mm -hmm. um, it was kind of my way of processing things. And I'd be kind of scared when I would write it and see it on a page and be like, oh my gosh, I can't actually say that. That's mm. blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, that's like, <laughs> my mother would be so ashamed. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, that, that was kind of my, partially my process emotionally, just like trying to figure out what I felt and what I even believed, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think that I love that. It's so beautiful that sometimes you just you're almost writing ahead of yourself. You know, you're kind of mm-hmm. writing sort of what your unconscious is already kind of doing, um, and just sort of leaning into that. I often find that that's kind of my process. That I'm just like looking back to a song later, I'm like, oh wow. I already knew some of that before mm, I actually kind right. of said it out loud, before I even stepped into it, before I claimed it, before I did it publicly. There was, the, there was this part of me that was just like aching to, to say something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, really, and it's so courageous, I think, to do that, you know, and to, to let that out into the world and to let other people in on that little secret. Uh, it must be a very vulnerable place to, to go from, you know, this, this worship leader role out into this place where you've these intimate thoughts about kind of what you used to do and sharing those with people. Um, how, how have people kind of responded to that kind of stuff? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, the people our, our people have been so supportive and amazing. Mm. Um, our, a lot, our families, I think are, have felt confused and just concerned, concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And I'm not sure. We we left, like I said, we left church, so suddenly we didn't intend to. But when we we left, we we, re- we never went back on a Sunday after that. After we I quit, after I was off staff, um, and so I I don't know what our old community really thinks about it, or if they even listen to it. But um, yeah. I can I can imagine though, and I'm I'm sure it's varies somewhere from you know, shock and disgust to concern, you know, somewhere, somewhere along yeah. that spectrum. <laughs> Imagine there are people that feel some relief or like, oh yeah, I wish I, I feel similarly. I think, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that um, I've experienced, even in just the past few weeks of like putting out there, like being on, being a co-host, you know, it's been like a lot of um, private messages, like, Hey, I, I'm walking through that too. Like I'm walking through that now. Or hey, thanks for saying that. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you know. Like I think that putting something out there in the world about yourself that people are, I'm sure, disappointed about or have all kinds of feelings about. But knowing that there are there are people that are like, me too, <laughs> you know, or like they don't have all the same words or ways to express it, but they're out there. Totally. And we've, we've definitely gotten those types of messages. Um, and it's just, it's so great to hear and so encouraging that, you know, if this touches one person and speaks to them, then and makes them feel less alone, then that's, yeah. um, that's worth it, you know? Yeah. That is the tagline of this podcast. Less alone, <laughs> more alive. <laughs> right. Every time I say less alone, I just, it's, it's about feeling like you got to say the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, yeah. So, I mean, you said you left, you know, leaving your old community like abruptly, like you feel like you created new community or you're just kind of like, mm, you know, like that process is a lot and it's hard and some people are able to do it and others it's hard to find. What does that look like for you? Mm. I would say, I'll I'll just say this quickly, and then you can throw in what you think, Rach. But I, I feel like, and this maybe even probably would have been a good way to introduce ourselves. But I I think in a lot of ways we've <laughs> been, you know, like the past few years, and even everything kind of up in before this releasing this album has felt a lot like a deconstruction. You know, it's like kind of been tearing away a lot of the stuff that we haven't believed, and now we're at a place, and we've had community around us. But I think. 
at at this point it's we're we're like at least hoping and and longing for some type of reconstruction of like even if it's just a bare bones thing it's like what mm-hmm. do we believe you know so with that i think we're we don't have a like the same type of community but we do have like our uh our group and our community of people that we rely upon and and mm-hmm. go to in times of need um but it definitely looks different you know and so we're kind of like in the process of rebuilding that support structure that we had at one point you know? yeah i think we spent we spent so many years we were so bought into this specific church we were part of too i mean definitely some i wouldn't call it a cult flat out but definitely some cult <laughs> cultish things going on <laughs> So, you know, when we were in it, we were just like, oh, we'll never move anywhere where there isn't this type of church because that's how, that's how enmeshed we were. So, so when we decided, when we left and everything fell apart and, you know, cue the crying on the floor and like existential crises and everything, uh, we were just so desperate to, even though we had such, we had some really great friends who were going through similar things. We just wanted out of Norman so badly. And that's why we thought we would just move. And then we got this crazy idea to buy an RV and live in it and travel. And so we did that for a couple of years, but we, we didn't have community. And I think we, it was kind of nice there for a bit where we just didn't have yeah. to answer to anybody, no obligations it was just like a huge weight lifted off of our shoulders. But now we're in this place where we're kind of just longing to put down some roots and to be with our people again. Not that we, you know, let go of those relationships or anything, but uh, like Johnny's saying with reconstruction, I think we are longing for that sense of community again. Maybe not in the exact, definitely not in the exact same way. <laughs> but uh, you don't want to be in the similarities, cult. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I was really looking for a cult. You heard any, heard of any good ones or something? <laughs> oh, <Amazing. man. laughs> Check out Nexium. See if that's it. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Netflix has got some good ones for you, I bet. Yeah, I understand the the temptation to to not call something a cult. Like I definitely grew up in the same really really close inbred community. I mean, the the Christian denomination that I grew up in only has about sixty thousand members worldwide, um, so it's really really small. And mm. uh, I think one of the things that was comforting to me, um, sort of Karen showed me this thing around high demand communities. I'm not sure if you've kind of found that term at all. Um, and that's giving me more comfort because I'm like, okay, so there are a whole bunch of things that that didn't sit with me and that felt restrictive and felt like cult-like. Um, but then there's this high, high demand kind of idea, this idea that you have to fully be in, you know, mm-hmm. in all aspect of your life, spending you know, every waking moment uh, thinking about this and pouring into it, investing in it, and, and kind of your whole sense of identity and worth is wrapped up in it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why it is so painful walking away from something like that because there is just so much of yourself that uh, has been molded around this external thing. And so this idea of uh, what is the self is a huge thing. I know for me, um, when I eventually sort of deconstructed everything uh, quite a few years ago, I was really grateful to have had at least some form of 
the divine, which I thought was healthy, some good mm-hmm. image of God that, that realized that God wasn't like pissed at me. But what I, I realized I didn't have was a sense of who I was. Like, mm-hmm. who the heck was I? Like, if God loved me, well, who was the me that, that God loved? And so I think that's yeah. one of the biggest things I'm finding with people walking away from sort of toxic religion um, is this, these people who are just like having to find themselves in, in this really uh, heartbreaking and, and kind of and crazy moment in life where you also find yourself distanced from community and distanced from the things you know and love. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a really incredible thing that people actually do it and do it over and over again. And I hear you guys saying it's painful and I, I agree with that. Man. Yeah. No, I think that, that hits the nail on the head, especially mm-hmm. for, for me. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Hey, if you want to stay on the, on the line afterwards, we can uh, have a little bit of therapy. Yeah, that's, that's so real. Yeah. I, it, it's funny. You, uh, I was um, listening to y'all chat with, um, Blair from Talk Purity with me, mm-hmm. and we had we had chatted with her on like an Instagram live as well, and and just what you were explaining really makes so much sense just with all of purity culture. You know, like we were so mm-hmm. deep into that, and that really mm-hmm. shaped how we saw like each other in our marriage. That shaped how we responded to like even like you were talking about with that high demand in the ministry that we were a part of, you know, even before we were anywhere even close to being on staff, we were fully bought in and like, you know, it was just like, we thought that was what was required of us to see the world changed, you know? And it yeah. was, and yeah, it really, you can lose yourself in that so well, easily. I mean, you're taught to lose yourself in oh, yeah. Christianity mm-hmm. in general. You're taught to think of yourself as as small or don't think of yourself at all. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you have any needs, just Jesus will meet them. Focus on Jesus. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, there's so much like disembodiment and um, mm-hmm. just yep. lack of self-awareness that you're taught from. I mean, if we, we both grew up in evangelical Christian homes. Um, so from, I mean, that stuff was drilled into me from my earliest memories. So yeah. it's really hard. I'm still in the, fa- I mean, I'm struggling with that too, for I sure. Know. But I'm, I'm still like, God's mad at me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still trying to unlearn that yeah. like all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, am I, am I ever going to unlearn this fully? It like feels like something I just know. It's like, in my body. How do I yeah. get this out? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It takes a long time to like unlearn things, you know, and to not even unlearn them in your brain, like, but to unlearn them in your body. Like when mm-hmm. you've grown up with this being the narrative that you have to live by to belong and to be fully embraced, it's, it's hard to take it out of your body. I, it's like reading the Bible anymore. I, I used to just read the Bible all the time. Like it was like, <laughs> I feel weird to even say it like this, but just felt like I just loved it so much. And like, I mm-hmm. thought I understood it and I had all of this, like, mm-hmm. and now I'm just like, ah, what the fuck? I don't, I can't, I can't even do it. Like, and people are always like wanting to help me like rethink about it or we sh- and I'm like, I don't, I don't I know. Want I know. <laughs> so I don't understand this book messes me up, dude. Like I can't, I yeah. can't open it right now. 
Yeah, I can't. I don't want to. I don't want to learn it in a new way. I'm reading Little Fires Everywhere. I'm good. I don't need to know. But <laughs> I read it backwards and forwards for years, and now it just feels visceral in my body. I feel it in my right. body. I don't want to feel that way either. Like I have friends who I feel like have a really healthy understanding of of the Bible in context and sure. when and where to apply it. And I'm like, why can't I see it that way? I'm like, when I open it, I'm like terrified of what I'm going to find. It's like, oh, God is my worst nightmare. Actually, actually, that is true. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the kicks yeah. that I'm on about this is that I feel like we were only told to just do that, right? Like only Jesus, only the Bible. That's all we're allowed to read and consume and do. And I think one of the freedoms in stepping away from that is realizing God is everywhere and in all things. So yeah. if you read little fires everywhere and you find <laughs> something transcendent in that, God bless you. And, and I think this, this idea that somehow we actually have to like say these words and go to church on Sunday and, and stay inside this really tight, narrow lane, mm-hmm. because that's the only place that God operates is such bullshit. Right. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. Dang, that's so good. It's and it's like I can I can say yes in my head, but yeah, it's still just like a process of feeling it's that bo- yes in my body. It's the body learning. Yeah. It really is. There's so much. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much trauma trauma chapter in our chests for sure. And I, I'm, I'm glad we're living in a, in a world where you know there's the body keeps score that the books out there and there's a bunch of research being done around this. Because while I think I said you know. I had a good idea about who God was or what God was and that God was just love. Uh, that was just an idea, right? It was mm. just a theology. And I realized that all the self-loathing was still in my body. All of the hatred was still there. All of the shame and, and, and all that kind of stuff was still deeply trapped and is still trapped between my ribs. And so it does take yeah. some learning to really to do that work. Karen, pop a bottle. Why? We just got a new Patreon subscriber. <gasps> Yay! I know, isn't it the best? Oh my gosh, did they do like the apostle tier or was it <laughs> I like think the... this was the uh, creationist tier. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, seven day literal creation process. Um, can I ask you a question? Yeah, please. What's Patreon? Oh, Patreon is how you support the artists and creators that you love, um, such as Heathen. Yeah. Heathen Podcast. We're on Patreon. Oh, that's rad. So yeah, is it like a Kickstarter? It's, or... kind of, it's, it's similar. Um, <laughs> it's a subscription. Okay. So you give a monthly gift. Cool. For us, you can join as for as little as $3 a month. Oh, wow. That's the Trinity level. That's less than a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, it supports this podcast. It supports the work we do on Heathen Happy Hour. It like puts food on our table and all kinds of great stuff. So That's great. I like it. It feels very old-timey. Like mm. when the, the town used to support the poet. <laughs> That's You're literally a patron of an artist. That's beautiful. Join us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Heathen Podcast. I'll get the champagne. What, what have been like helpful tools or resources or even books? I, I know you just mentioned The Body Keeps a Score, and that's that's one that I've like heard of and, yeah, yeah. and am interested in. But what are what are ones that have been helpful for y'all? Oh, I mean, <laughs> I think I feel lucky that I stumbled in the middle of Sojourn Grace Collective, our little unicorn church that exists where you don't have to believe anything because <laughs> it's yeah. long. We're just, we, I mean, literally like there's so many, you know, going, I, I say going through the motions and like going through some of the same motions that we used to go to, but with such a different meaning and context and where I don't feel any sort of pressure. Um, 
And I was, I stumbled into that when I was like, fuck church. I don't want to do that. And my husband was like, but yeah, but this, I think seems different. And I'm like, yeah, I still don't want to do it. And then <laughs> I went anyway, reluctantly. And then was like, I like all these people. So <laughs> I, I feel like I got lucky in just that, like having people. But honestly, for me, it's been like having other people to do this tearing apart of my whole life, basically with, and, um, that and therapy. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I echo the, both those same things. I think therapy, I've been in deep therapy for two and a half years. Um, at some point I was doing it three times a week and I was doing EMDR as well. I don't know if you've heard about this. It's, it's mm-hmm. a rapid eye movement, um, kind of therapy. It's not, it, it is sort of talk therapy, but it really is about trying to make these connections in your brain. And it's about helping you to rewire certain pathways. Uh, and that was extremely helpful to me. Mm. Uh, it helped me access um, childhood memories that I had long repressed and helped me access emotions that I had just learned to completely choke down uh, and learn to kind of, you know, build a, a better story. Um, so that was really, really helpful. And I just, I am so thankful for my therapist. It was a, a life-saving uh, measure for me. Uh, and then I think community has been the same thing. And I've got, you know, really close friends who've deconstructed around me. And uh, my best friend and I kind of went through a divorce at the same time. And just being able to have somebody else to pick up the phone and bawl and cry to and just talk to was just really helpful. I think what you, know, you guys both said, like less alone, I think there's just, that is the biggest thing, you know, to feel like you're walking through this by yourself. Um, and I think that sometimes you have to sit down with someone and just laugh about some of this shit, you know, to laugh about <laughs> the stupid contemporary Christian songs that somehow play on loop in your brain and you have no idea why. Oh, God. You know, yes. Because it's just, it's just to have that understanding is, is the thing to make you go, I'm not insane, right? I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yes. it's a great feeling when you, you like, you notice that somebody else knows that, that, Stephen Curtis Chapman song, you know, and you're like, oh, we've got, yeah. we, we know the old magic. <laughs> you know, like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I think, I think the other thing I should mention is, uh, and I do have a really good friend here in San Diego who I met through Center and Grace Collective. And uh, he does retreats um, just for men uh, for the weekend or a couple of days and sort of go away to the desert or to the mountains or somewhere and do a whole bunch of really deep work. And a lot of it is very ritualistic. And I, I am very much one of those people that I, I love that shit. You know, I think that's kind of mm-hmm. why religion kind of spoke to me was because I, I kind of like the the weird moment where you feel like the Holy Spirit shows up or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Like those moments when we're doing something, like we're speaking aloud something together in, in some kind of liturgy or those moments are, are beautiful. And, and so to be able to kind of have these experiences to go with a very small bunch of, of people and to really get in for a couple of days uh, and do things that, that spring from indigenous traditions and spring from other cultures and just experience something fresh and new and realize that there is so much magic in the world, you know, and there is so yeah. much still to be discovered and there's so much beauty that's wrapped up in, in my story and, 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 and who I am uh, and, and beauty even in the pain of things as well. Uh, so those, the, you know, those kind of weekends, retreats have been really helpful uh, for me in those moments where you just go away with a couple of folks and just, you know, burrow down and just talk and talk and talk to the wee small hours of the morning have been absolutely invaluable. Dang, that, that sounds, sounds so nice. Yeah, that sounds beautiful. <laughs> wow. I love that yeah. what you said too, because I, I agree. I I 
so often miss those, you know, what I would call like a God encounter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, those Holy Spirit moments where you, you know, and you're, you, I was a part of a kind of a more charismatic community. We were always like chasing those moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the church that we came from. And now I like find myself still wanting them, even though I don't know if I like believe in them the same way, <laughs> but I, I want them. And then I, I also don't trust any of my old methods of getting them. Yeah. So yeah. I just feel so stuck, but yet I don't want this faith that's completely all in my head. I want that mysticism, you know? Um, yeah. It's hard. It's hard to figure out where to get those things. Like I miss like worship music. Cause like, you know, it's just, especially in, you know, that kind of church where it's like, it's big and it's loud and it's, you feel it, you know? And it's like, I don't know what I'm feeling now. Now I don't know what I would call it, but I feel some, I felt something and to not know where to get that, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's hard, but I think like, obviously like we live in San Diego, so the ocean helps, <laughs> but like, you know, and, and literal mountaintops and things like that. I think that reality that like none of this shit is like Christianity doesn't, doesn't get to claim it. Like we can get that, right. like, I don't know, that feeling like, you know, good music still does it for me. <laughs> you know, totally. We, we, you know, we traveled a lot in the past couple of years in our RV and we were in Colorado for a while mm-hmm. in Oregon and Utah and, we we have had so many of those experiences just being out yeah. in nature. It's it's so accessible there. It feels yeah. like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's interesting. That was kind of like our I think subconsciously that became like going on hikes together. Yeah. And you know, getting up, like you said, to the top of a literal mountain, the that kind of became our our life hack for like connecting <laughs> to each other and like connecting to whatever like I don't know, whatever you want to call it, whether it be the divine or that mysticism, you know, that, that was kind of a thing that we were chasing subconsciously because it really, it felt just like right when we were doing it, you Mm. know? Yeah. Um, I like to call it oxytocin. (laughs) You know, I'm like, as a doula and a student midwife, I'm like, I know where you get that, you know, (laughs) that's what it is. It's like endorphins and oxytocin and all of that stuff that's in our body that is good and we can figure out how to get it and our past doesn't have a claim on it dang that's yeah. so good and that's not unique to christianity i mean the celts are the idea of thin spaces it's there oh. in every religion under the sun this idea you know i remember the first time i heard rob bell talk about the story you know in african cultures where they would stand around a circle and someone would step into the circle and then do this the whirling dervish where they would dance like and dance and, and, and whirl and whirl and whirl into a state of ecstasy and then the people are surrounding them would cry Allah Allah like God mm. there is God so these mm. people who are just dancing themselves into a state of heightened you know dizziness uh that, that, that someone would say that's God that's the divine that's transcendence right there um and so I just you know there are plenty of ways I think to find it I think the the issue I think with Christianity is we've been programmed to say that all of those things are bad. <laughs> so if, if you go yeah. and try a hallucinogenic drug, you know, that that's evil, that's bad. Mm. Uh, instead of actually being a place where you can access that same kind of feeling. And so I think a lot of it is just letting your body relax and soften 
into learning what it loves. You know, that Mary Oliver thing, like learning the soft animal body, just letting it love what it loves. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I like that you said thin, the thin, thin place. Mm-hmm. I listened to a podcast with Brene Brown and uh, Michael Curry, Bishop Michael Curry. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he talked a lot about those thin places and I, that inspired me so much. I was just like, damn, I need a thin place right now, man. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful space. I, I like, I get it when I'm watching babies make their way earthside. It's a pretty mm-hmm. damn thin place. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, and those spaces are hard to come by, I think, with the pandemic raging around us. You know, right. I'm thankful that, that nature is there uh, mm-hmm. and that obviously we in San Diego, we can get to those places quickly, like beaches or mountains. But but yeah, it's, there's plenty of ways that I think, you know, the human connection as a musician, <laughs> the, the, the human connection, the 110 decibels of bass to your chest, which is what you're, <laughs> you're experiencing. And he said, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's just really loud. Pain. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Turns out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think for me, like, you know, missing it, just having a conversation with a stranger in a bar, like some of those spaces are things that I've learned over the years that I just really love and I access that other part of me. Um, this, those places are hard to find in, in the space right now. Yeah, that is so true. You know, I will say though, I, I don't even know if I've told you this, Rach, but I, I, uh, I found this thing on Spotify that is, it's like a playlist of different frequencies. Mm. It's like, I think it's called like binaural beats or something, which I truly, you know, I have no idea where, like why it's there, what it came from or whatever, but I was just listening to it and I realized like for some reason it just like plays through different like low frequencies, low to high. And it was like just by like uh, not really thinking about anything and just kind of going through each of those, it was kind of uh, hitting the same same wavelength that like listening to worship music had in the past. It was, it was the oddest thing, but I I had this moment where I was like, dang, where did this come from? You know, like what just happened here? (laughs) But Yeah. Felt like that, that thin place a little bit. I love binaural beats so much. I have like, you know, you know about this. I do. (laughs) Yeah. I have an app. <laughs> and everything. Maybe you can tell me more about it then. What? <laughs> I, I don't know if I can tell you more about it necessarily. I just know that I love it, um, especially when I like need to focus or I need to sleep because uh-huh. um, I it'll take me a while to fall asleep sometimes because my mind will just be racing. But I listen to. I have an app that does binaural beats with like sounds just over it, and so the binaural beats are just under it, and it like okay. yeah, it feels pretty cool. I like it. But yeah, there's something about frequencies and I don't know. I, I, don't, I actually literally don't know the science behind any of it, but I like it. <laughs> and it, it's helped me, you know, like, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever thought about it in the same way as that kind of giving that same frequency as worship would, because that was such a thing for me, but. Mm-hmm. I'll have to like think about how I feel next time I use it, or maybe use a different frequency. I'm sure it depends on what frequencies you use. Now I sound weird, so <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Yeah. So any, anyway, I'll send you the pamphlet for my cult. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, and then we, uh, we start. Let's start it. 
<laughs> the binaural Baptists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, man. Yeah, about that. Amazing. We're going to baptize you in a pool of sound waves. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're going to raise a new sound. Pretty nice. cool. Yeah. Have you done right? <laughs> like. Uh, my husband likes to do, I don't think, I think he's only done it like once or twice actually, but in his head he likes to do um, the deprivation Ooh, tank, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. thing. Um, he's going to be mad I called him out, but that's okay. Um, he, he really, really likes it. I, it sounds to me like I might get kidnapped, so I don't ever want to do it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I like the idea of like being like this, being in touch with all your senses because like that's something that I never really learned to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, growing up, it's just like, you know, your senses are not what you're supposed to be trusting. I don't know what you're, you know, there's, but being able to like really feel your whole body. I actually don't know if that's what sensory deprivation things do, but that's what it sounds like to me. They do, so. <laughs> yeah. The idea is, is suspending all the external stimuli so that you can actually just feel what's happening inside your body and you can just hear that your heart beat in your body. Like that's the idea of the sensory deprivation tank. Oh. Yeah, I was right. <laughs> I mean, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I'm ready to be that alone with my thoughts. Yeah, same. <laughs> I, I found acupuncture really, really helpful. Oh, it just, oh really? I, I don't know why, you know, I've, it's not, I've, I don't mind needles, so it's not kind of that thing, but I found many years ago when I started having chronic panic attacks, that acupuncture was the only thing that actually kind of put me into my body for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And I would often find once they kind of put the needles in and it was, you know, the, it's a low lit room and they had on just some fairly drony kind of music that it would just send me into this half state that, that wasn't quite sleeping and it wasn't quite awake. It was just this in between space. And it was just the most calming, most incredible thing to kind of feel like, oh, I'm actually coming home to my body because the panic attacks would push me out. You know, I would feel like I was completely separated in between my soul and my, my spirit. And uh, yeah, I loved acupuncture. I really loved it. Wow. Never done acupuncture. Highly recommended, and I think cool. if you look up in in your own um, own town, wherever you can look up, they often have uh, acupuncture places that uh, pay what you wish. So you might be you might be in a private room, but you'll be in a room with other people. But they'll be spaced apart, and and you can kind of do a sliding scale, and and so they can be can be pretty affordable. All right, yeah. community acupuncture. Yes, that's right. Wow. All right. So I think I have a mom that's going to have a baby. So I probably need to go very soon. Um, but, you know, right? Speaking of thin places. But I I was thinking about how, like, growing up in evangelical spaces, there's this idea. I always thought that people that lived, like, outside of Christianity were living these, like, awful, sad, empty lives. And <laughs> that was just, I actually, I listened to a thing the other day that, the Donut Man. I don't know if you guys know what the Donut Man is, but mm-hmm. if you don't, you should look it up. It's terrible. Um, but it was basically what indoctrinated me as a child, and it's like a talking donut. And they literally say in this child's program, like that when you don't have for people that don't have Jesus, you they're empty and sad inside, and it might be okay for a while, but then the truth will wipe away your smile. And I'm like, I was like, whoa, whoa. they said it, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> And I just, I grew up thinking that. And um, that's not necessarily been the, how I felt 
Um, but I remember being scared of that, that if I like really mm-hmm. wore down these things, I believe that my whole life would just fall apart and be empty and sad. And while there have been difficult, sad moments and hard moments, um, that's just not true. Like, I feel like I've had a lot of life, um, and there's, there's a lot, you know, in life to, to offer me, for me to offer. And so I want to hear from you both, like, what's giving you life these days? Like, what is making you happy and smile and even in the middle of things that are hard? Yeah. I, I resonate with that so much. And you said, like, I... I thought the same thing about everyone, you know, I've got the truth and I'm happier and better than everybody else. Um, But I found, I think since leaving church or really leaving evangelicalism that I, I'm a more empathetic, my ability to empathize has grown so much. And my, uh, I feel like I'm so, so much more compassionate than I, than I used to be, um, which is crazy because, you know, yeah, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really, it's not, that's not how it's supposed to be, but right. that's how it's been right. for me. Maybe that tells you what kind of Christian I was. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> um, but yeah, there's so much fear in leaving that I, I listened to a podcast with Rhett and Link one time from um, that Good Good Mythical Morning. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They're kind of evangelical too. And he talked about, you know, I was so afraid that when I left church, I, my morality would just fall to pieces and I'd cheat on my wife and I'd murder somebody <laughs> or steal. I, I I feel that too. I'm just like, who am I going to turn into if I'm not a Christian anymore? And it's like, yeah. I'm the same person. I, I really feel like uh, in so many ways, I feel like I'm, a more authentic mm-hmm. and better version of myself yeah. than I was when I was in the church. Yeah. I didn't answer your question, but it's what I thought when yeah. you shared the donut yeah. man stories. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. So what has been ah, what has been giving me life? Therapy. I'm I'm I love therapy and I wish I could go three times a week. <laughs> but, uh, uh yeah, therapy is amazing and huge advocate for that. And, you know, I've been, um, this year, one of my goals has been to, I, a, a couple of years ago, I had a job in a flower shop. And this year, I've really been wanting to get back into floral design. And I've been kind of dabbling and getting my hands, you know, making arrangements and clipping stems and just working with, with live flowers has been giving me so much life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like a different kind of creative outlet that doesn't it's not as emotional it's just it's just fun I mean there are you know there's design that goes into it and there's thought and and strategy if you will but uh that has been really life-giving for me recently been feel connected to it makes you feel connected to the earth and you're you know you're standing up you're using your hands and creating something beautiful and I feel like more connected to my body too in those in those moments so that's I, <laughs> yeah. um, I think for me, I have been, uh, it's been on my list to get in therapy uh, for a while. So that's like, because of where we've been back and forth geographically, it's been, uh, it's been hard to know exactly how to do that. But that, that is one thing that I, 
It's not an answer, not my answer, but I want it to be soon. (laughs) Um, I think in other ways, I've been uh, probably since like after the holidays. I mean, we've been trying to just make small, uh, small changes in trying to eat healthier, be more active, and just like like you were saying, Anissa, like typical. <laughs> I, well, basic. <laughs> I, sure. I, you know, but I think that's the crazy thing is that it's like even just something as basic as that actually has been helping me. And it's kind of like a weird feeling of like, man, I I have I'm realizing how terrible I've been feeling. Cause basically all of 2020, it was like, hey, I'm like just drinking IPAs and trying to like forget <laughs> what is happening in the world right now, you know. <laughs> Which, yeah, it, there's nothing like bad about it, but when you're only doing toll. that, yeah, when you're only doing that, it's not it doesn't feel great. <laughs> so just like I, you know, I know it's not the most uh, thoughtful or philosophical answer, but just like trying to, you know, use my body and get those chemicals f- pumping again. Feels yeah. feels pretty good. I like it. <laughs> and also, I think journaling. Too, I've been trying to journal in the morning and do some meditation. Those things when mm-hmm. I when my morning goes the way I intend for it to go, I'm always so grateful when I I have when I do those practices. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll say that for myself as well. I'm I haven't been done it as much recently, but there's a point where I was feeling very overwhelmed and just kind of like made it a point each day to try and write out my thoughts in a, in a way that I haven't really done in, in a long time. And it was like very, very cathartic as well. And just realizing like, you know, letting, letting my mind wander and kind of unpack some of the things that maybe either had been traumatic or things that were funny, things that I had just never never given two thoughts about, you know, and just kind of like writing about that and pondering on that was a, um, felt very, very helpful and life-giving. Yeah. That, that morning pages practice is absolutely mm. life-giving. I just, when I first stumbled upon that, I was just like, oh, wow, I can actually like do this. Cause I think, you know, for those of us who are writers for our job, like what we do mm. is always so tempting to just turn that into something mm-hmm. but that idea that you write it and you don't ever read it again like it's just for the joy of letting your the gears of your brain spin and the pen on the paper and it's just it doesn't matter what you kind of write you just don't stop like writing for three pages mm-hmm. i've done that um a, a couple of times over my kind of uh, my life got into seasons where i've basically done that every day and i would say it's probably where i'm at my most healthiest mentally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love Julie Cameron those morning pages. <laughs> Although when I try to do three pages, I, or even when I just journal, it's an effort for me not to turn it into prayer journaling. Like it's like yeah. my default. Yeah. Like, Father I God, can't. Father God, we just. Uh, we just <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I write. <laughs> amazing, just amazing. <laughs> oh man. I'd like to know if you guys have different favorites on the record. Or oh. the way, is there a particular song that you think, like, this is what I really want people to hear, or this is what I want really people to know about West of Light, or, mm-hmm. or either of you individually? Gosh, favorite. I really, I mean, I, they all have a special place in my heart, you know, but uh, 
recently my favorite's been Go on the Drive, which I feel like we almost didn't put on the album because it has a, you know, there's, and if you notice, this record does have a lot of road or driving references. And there's another <laughs> song called um, um, Lines, we Cross. Lines We Cross, which is all, it's kind of that driving metaphor. So, but we put it in there anyway. And, um, <laughs> but that song, Johnny basically wrote that by himself. I just think it's so poetic and beautiful and just talks about how, you know, you're not the one at the end of the day when you're gone to tell your story. You have to rely on other people to do it. And um, it's it's kind of, it's, it's a little morbid, but like in a good way. Uh, it's kind of con- contemplative um, about telling each other stories. I, I really love it. I think I'll die on the concrete on the right shoulder lane of I-35 Most of my life I've been running from something It seems only fitting that I'll go on I think um, an aspirational favorite of mine is Common Ground. Um, that's That's one that is a it's aspirational because it's how I would like to feel about. Uh, I mean, same. It's a, it's you know kind of a song. If you haven't listened to it, it's a song basically about finding the common ground in love, and uh, that's a great thing that I wish I was better at. People say in the good old days they had it figured out, but the good old days are good for some, not anybody else. As they see the past. Probably one one song that I think for me though that is like kind of sums up a lot of the deconstruction aspect and some of the whether it's hopelessness or just kind of like the the feeling of the frustration that I felt would be bad influence. That's the last song on the track and it's just kind of it's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I really love that one too. It, it feels it was kind of an impromptu ad. At the at the very end of the recording process, uh, we had written that during the recording process, mm-hmm. and one night we got together to film some live, some acoustic. live acoustic takes, yeah, mm-hmm. for like YouTube. Um, and that song we had just finished. We're like, why don't, we, why don't we throw this one in there and record this? And I had like figured out some harmonies on the spot, and then mm-hmm. that audio is what's actually on the album mm-hmm. we just did one like great take and we just decided to throw it on so there kind of a more stripped down uh track but that song i it, it's it's the most recently written and it, it still just hits so close to home i'm just a bad bad influence on you but you better not break the bread with me because i'll lead you from the truth just a bad bad influence on you guard your heart and say your prayers oh they'll finally do some good 
I love those songs that when you, you just when they're so fresh mm-hmm. and you step in front of a microphone for the you know for the first time, and that's the take, and and sometimes you just can't you, you can't actually replicate that at mm-hmm. all. Um, I definitely have over my whole career had songs where I'm just like I couldn't beat the demo, I, or I did, was mm-hmm. too scared to even try. Right. You know, and it, it might have been imperfect, might have been little notes we kind of had to tune or here or there. But I'm just like, there's something about the feeling of it, and I, I think one of my goals as a musician is to try and make music closer and closer to the origin point. You know, try and mm-hmm. get the song written and try and demo it like almost straight away. Because um, there's something about that energy in the room, you know, yeah. that you just you can't. That just just like, oh, there's some magic right there. Yeah, I think there's something too, honestly, like about musicians as storytellers too. Is that I think we just mm-hmm. love that feeling of like, oh wow, this is like you were saying, this is like so close to the the origin of it, you know, and it feels whether it's true or not, sometimes it, it it's like just because it feels like it's so fresh, it's like, oh, there's meaning in that. You know, it's like that it was like this authentic, true, this is how it was supposed to come out type deal, you know. Yeah, it double tails back into Anissa's experience of watching a baby come mm-hmm. earthside. It's the same thing. 100%. Like something is just falling out of the air. Something mm-hmm. is happening in this moment. Something is being birthed. And I think that's the wonder of it all, right? Mm-hmm. You know? beyond the story of the Christ child being born in the manger. Like there's something that we kind of crave inside our souls that we long for, something new that sparks afresh, that hope, that wonder, that childlike fascination mm. to, to see the world as a magical place that's laid out in front of us. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> hey, I have a cult that is, uh, has some speaking <laughs> I'm not going to call them the big bad binaural Baptists because <laughs> there's a beer called the big bad Baptist. I'm like, I think the big bad binaural Baptist would be fantastic. We have to have alliteration. Alliteration. Always. Well, you guys are such a delight. Obviously, I like you. <laughs> I like you. I haven't met you yet. but. <laughs> Well, hey, um, we like you too. <laughs> where can people find you in the world? Like, you can listen on any platform, really. Spotify is our preferred platform. Um, <laughs> Apple Music, Amazon Prime Music, all the places. Um, you can go to our website, westerlightmusic.com. If and you, if you like, um, if you want to purchase a CD oh, yeah. or like a screen print or really badass t-shirt, you can go there. Also stickers. Um, and then our our Instagram is a good way to keep up with us. Uh, just Westerlight on Instagram mm-hmm. and Facebook. So yeah, we'd love to connect. Oh, you can also, that, that take of uh, Bad Influence that we were talking about, that's actually on YouTube. Mm. And we'll be releasing yeah. some of those other live acoustic takes um, in the next... A uh, month or two. Yep. Awesome. I just went to your shop and I'm obsessed with the Guard Your Heart, Say Your Prayers screen print. Obsessed. Right. Right. Me too. <laughs> Our friend Lauren Rocket designed that and she just did the best job. I, I, I have that t-shirt and I wear it. Even if it's, I don't care if it's tacky. I just, I love that shirt. <laughs> it's a good one. It's so good. It's funny. I saw it on Instagram before I heard the album and then listened to the album and then it was like oh my god it's the best 
thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> that line from Bad Influence. And I just, oh, I love it. I love it so much. Mm, thank you. We will connect with you on the social media and maybe a pandemic will end and then you guys can come, you know, to a house show or something in San Diego. Yes, <laughs> we would love to. Yeah, come play in front of the pink fireplace. Yeah, that'd be so <laughs> rad. We'd love it. Um, well, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. We had a great time. Thank you.